You are listening to Sheet Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. We're taking a break from the epic space opera Serial Musketeer Space uh, for the next couple of months for a new Belladonna U story, The Year of Critical Roles. You might want to listen to the other Belladonna U stories first, starting with Fake Geek Girl, but it's not compulsory. All the Belladonna U stories published so far uh, are available on this podcast, uh, as well as in two ebook and print collections, Unreal Alchemy and Holiday Brew. Some of the individual stories are also available from my Patreon. The Year of Critical Roles Chapter 1 The Year of Viola Part 1 January Recovery from all the New Year's drama, thesis meetings, unexpected travel grant, more meetings. February. Paris, apparently. The Académie des Sorcières, to be exact. Another tiny dorm room. More thesis to be written, but... Paris. March. More Paris. Occasional text from Jules who has exactly nothing to say about his new job. Suspicious. Radio silence from Chauve. April. Paris in springtime. Nine out of ten would recommend. Long hours thesis writing indoors. Total waste of Paris in springtime. Croissant, wine, cheese. May. Very important conference. Networking potential, publishing opportunities. Why are all French professors so good-looking? All the wine. All the croissant. Thesis? What thesis? There's a court case beginning back in Australia, but Viola doesn't think about it that hard. She recorded her testimony and sent it in on time. She's texted Chauve and Jules, but... Neither of them want to talk about it either. Sure, some family friends try to steal her magic, but how is that relevant to her thesis? Croissant. Croissant. Wine. June. Home. Reality. Jules, you better pick me up from the airport, or the faintly pornographic French novel I bought you about warlocks in love is going right in the rubbish bin. It was something of a wrench for Viola to discover that the space between Paris in June at the beginning of a sun-drenched summer and Melbourne in June at the beginning of a very grey winter was exactly one long-haul plane flight. Air travel was hard on a witch. Flying on broomstick made sense at a visceral level. It made you feel... At one with the magical universe, strong, connected to the sky. A metal box with wings stood against everything that nature had to offer. You were ripped away from the earth and insulated from the air. Why had no one used magic to develop portals yet? Step into a cauldron in Paris, step out of a different cauldron in Australia, and of course if you hated it there, you could nip back for a croissant any time you liked. Viola was a little bit in love with Paris. Still, it wasn't the weather that made her dread coming home. 
or the substandard pastries, or the fact that she'd barely spoken to her friends in months. No, it was the familiar clang of a deadline that made her feel hollow inside. Six months. She had six months left to complete her doctoral thesis. She'd promised herself she'd do so much reading on the plane. Instead, she found herself caught in a loop of season one of The Bromancers, a show that usually irritated her beyond all belief. If the choice was between her finishing her thesis or getting way more into The Bromancers than a normal person ever should, then bring on the unresolved sexual tension between handsome warlocks and their car. She was here for it. To top it all off, Jules didn't pick her up. Another sign that something was wrong. Picking you up from the airport was an essential BFF duty. Mind you, answering mirror chat updates was also an essential BFF duty, and Viola had been just as remiss in that over the last several weeks as her friends. Paris? She didn't want to spend half of Paris attached to a mirror. That was her excuse, and she was sticking to it. At least Jules hadn't completely abandoned her. He sent a substitute to pick her up for baggage claim. He sent Sage McLaren. Viola saw him before he saw her, standing head and shoulders above the world's tiniest family of aunties, who all had giant signs for a returning niece. Sage was blessedly sign-free. He wore a Kraken t-shirt that she was sure she'd stolen from him a year ago. Another alarming sign of the state of affairs. The universe was awry. Nothing would quite be right again. Until she submitted her thesis. What's going on? she demanded as soon as she stepped off the escalator. Why aren't you Jules? Nice to see you too, Vale. Come on. Don't want to miss the spinny thing with the suitcases. Best bit of air travel. He cut a path through the clusters of tourists and locals just by walking while owning those shoulders. Annoyed that she had to trot after him, Viola did her best to be dignified while keeping up. Damn her short legs. What happened to Jules, she tried, but talking to his back was almost as pointless as talking to his face. Don't worry about it. What does your suitcase look like? Expensive. Why are you here, Sage? He glanced over his shoulder and disarmed her with the widest, warmest smile available. That smile was like being hugged by a celebrity in a cardigan. We're mates, aren't we? It's what you do for a mate who's been poshing it up in France for the best part of the year. I didn't bring you a present. Your presence is present enough, he said. With the smirk of a bloke who knew full well, she had in fact bought him a present. It was a stupid enamel pin that said, C'est une rockstar. She'd got two of them, one for him, one for Holly. Juniper got one that said, Où est la bibliothèque? Because Viola thought she was more of a book person than a rockstar person anyway. And there were no cute French pins that referenced cellos. Damn it. She hated that she had a suitcase full of thoughtful baubles for people she didn't even like. The next ten minutes was a blur of waiting and staring at suitcases, 
wondering if her own would ever appear through the little hatch. There was a troop of Bulgarian wizards blocking every exit, all of them irritable, as their caffeine pills, essential to block strong magic from interfering with flight controls, began to wear off. Then there was the car park, just so much car park. So, Viola said tiredly, as she finally climbed into the front seat of Sage's battered van. What's so vital that Jules' bloody nightshade can't roll out of bed at 6pm to pick up his best friend from the airport? It's a secret, said Sage, looking slightly hunted. Viola groaned. It's not... There's not some kind of bullshit surprise party waiting at the house, is there? I've just been in the air for more than a day. I am not up for comedy French-themed party with, like, baguettes and bags of onions. She had agreed reluctantly to take up the offer of crashing at the Manic Pixie Dream House for a couple of nights, because her old dorm room wasn't available until after the weekend. Some random exchange student had been staying there for the last several months. Because Belladonna Yu never missed the opportunity to make a buck. She was too old to be living in student accommodation, but she couldn't face starting real life yet, not with that bloody thesis hanging over her head. Next year. She could be a grown-up next year. In Paris, she had thought, what harm would it do to spend a couple of days putting up with sharehouse shenanigans? Now she wished she'd booked a hotel instead. Cross my heart, said Sage, driving his van through several complicated turns as he pulled them out of the labyrinthine car park and onto the highway. No one's throwing you a party, Vale. In retrospect, she should have taken more note of the way he swallowed a laugh on the word party, but she was already closing her eyes, too tired to care about his stupid private joke. This was so much worse than she could have imagined. Viola let her travel bag slide slowly off her shoulder as Sage set her suitcase down in the corner. At a large round table in the centre of Holly and May's downstairs living room, four faces turned to look at her. May, Deck, Jules, Juniper. The table was covered with dice and strange cardboard shapes that looked a lot like cakes. Viola gave the four of them her most baleful glare. No. Vale! Jules leapt up to hug her, and she was exhausted enough that she let him. I missed you. Sorry I couldn't collect you myself. Things are crazy at work right now. Work? She wasn't even sure what his job was. How was he a work person? Were suits involved? He was dressed in his usual very expensive shirts and trousers, but his hair was rumpled. I missed something. Since when are you a gaming nerd? I've only been gone a few months. Viola gave Sage a dirty look over Jules's shoulder, which she only half didn't mean. What did you do to him? Domesticated him, said Sage, looking smug. You're welcome. Are you going to play, Viola? asked Juniper nicely. Damn it, Juniper was always nice. We can always use a monster of the week, 
agreed May, in her usual deadpan voice. That's not an insult. It's actually a high honour. Viola sighed and looked directly at Deck, her ex. She'd known she'd see him here. He lived upstairs, after all. But she hadn't been braced for impact when it came to warm brown eyes looking at her like he was pleased to see her for entirely platonic reasons. Later, she would blame it on the jet lag. Can I play without you explaining the stupid game to me? She tried. Of course, said Jules, yanking her into a chair. I'll lend you my dice. Right, so it's based on this dessert-themed anime series called Cake Wizards. Viola hated it already. She was not prepared for Jules to have turned into someone who owned his own dice. But she'd missed home. And these ridiculous people. Everything about this year already felt so big, so important, so everything hangs in the balance. Half the people in this room had real jobs now. And yet they still had time to hang out and play a stupid dice game. Tell me there's actual cake, not just fictional made-up cake. You'll be playing a taut tornado, said Sage, sounding proud of himself. No cake, but everyone brought Tim Tams. We have a ziggurat of Tim Tams. Oh, well, okay, as long as there were Tim Tams. Just this once, said Viola. I mean it. I'm not going to make a habit of this. They all looked delighted. She hated them all. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. I'll be back next week to find a different year of a different character because that's how this story is structured. Uh, Fun fact, I was going to do this as a Groundhog Day story. Then I realised well into the plotting that that was an insane thing to do and would possibly destroy me. So you can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at at TansyRR or at SheepMightFly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRRBooks. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. The ebook of this particular story will be available to my Patreon subscribers at some point during the publishing of this serial, somewhere between me finishing the story and me turning it into an ebook. It won't be available outside Patreon until the publishing of the third Belladonna U collection, which might be this year, but will probably at this stage be next year, because I don't know what the third story is yet. Okay, see you next week.